And we welcome you to the Thursday morning show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. I'm very happy to be welcoming back into our studios for her monthly visit to the program, Nan Calvert, who has brought with her two very special guests to talk about a really, really important topic. First, Nan Calvert, we welcome you back to the morning show. Well, thank you, and good morning, everybody. So tell our listeners uh, the topic of today's program and what brings it to the fore in kind of dramatic fashion, why it's really timely and really important for us to have this conversation today. Uh, the topic for today is zero waste. Uh, there's an initiative going on, and I'll let Sister Janet and Michael talk about that. The reason that we have to talk about it is that landfills are closing, number one, because they're filling up. Number two, there is no magic land of away, so when you throw things away, it goes someplace, and oftentimes relatively permanently. Uh, we, are, uh, we are a consumer society. And unfortunately, what happens is there is no responsibility from cradle to grave with regard to manufacturers. At some point in time, that's got to change. Uh, and so when municipalities, when communities adopt a zero-waste approach, it prevents um, uh, resources from being wasted. It protects the environment in many different ways. Um, and it conserves what we have. And so this is why it's so very important to talk about this today and, you know, like 10 years ago as well. <laughs> uh, and so fortunately, we have an initiative going on like that. And I just I want everybody to know about it because it's uh, it's something that must be adopted by everybody. Right. And so we have a, a, a special initiative that is underway and uh, and some uh, a proposal that uh, is uh, going to be presented to the uh, Racine uh, Common Council. That's correct. And uh, that comes up very, very shortly. So that's why it's really timely to have this conversation. So, Nan, introduce the two guests you have brought with you today for this important conversation. <laughs> uh, well, um, I'll let them give their histories and how they came to be where they are. We have Michael Kellerman from Insincorator. Um, and he is a mover and a shaker with this initiative. And we have Sister Janet Weicker, and she's the former executive director of the Racine Dominican Eco Justice Center. Um, and we can kind of figure out how Janet came to this, how she came to the table. But Michael, why don't you go ahead and start and, and let us know how you got to be where you are today? And, and Michael, remind us exactly what your position is yes. at Insigra. I don't have it in front of me, but I know that part of your, your work there is very much tied to this issue. Absolutely. Thank you. And Bring your mic up just a little. If you and, and thanks again for the invitation to talk about this important issue. Uh, I'm a manager of environmental engineering at Insincorator. I oversee our research and communications really on the impacts of food waste disposers and trying to help people understand that using a disposer is actually good for the environment. And I'll kind of hopefully talk about how that ties to the Zero Waste Initiative. But I started my career almost 20 years as a wastewater treatment professional. And if you think about it, wastewater treatment is the biggest public health benefit to society. I mean, we've gotten rid of diseases like typhoid, dysentery, uh, because of wastewater treatment. And I kind of moved up the food chain and, and, <laughs> and, and became a subject matter expert on waste, food waste, waste treatment, and, and how we can uh, manage these things. So I oversee our research and communications at Insincorator. And during my 12 years at Insincorator, we've really moved forward with helping people to understand that using something right in your kitchen sink can help 
keep food waste out of landfills. In fact, food waste is the greatest or the largest fraction of the garbage after we recycle it. Really? So after 20 or 30 years of recycling, and there's some problems with recycling now as well, but food waste being the highest fraction, there's an opportunity right in your kitchen sink to help keep material from going to the landfill. And so at the invitation of Jim Palinek, the city administrator for Racine, uh, I became involved about two years in the Greater Racine Zero Waste Initiative. And recently, David Rhodes, the facilitator of the initiative, asked me to become a co-facilitator. So I, I appreciate Nan calling me a mover and a shaker because <laughs> I think moving this, this resolution to the city of Racine is a first step of four communities to really adopt this initiative. Mount Very Pleasant, Sturdivant, and Caledonia as well. Very good. Uh, well, you have a mover and shaker sitting right next to you as well, of course, Sister uh, Janet Weicker, who's been on the morning show before, uh, the retired uh, executive director of the Eco-Justice Center, although I suspect uh, retirement for you is not... Uh, it's activity in another order, right? <laughs> there you go. Right. So, and, and I'm sure that Nan is, is speaking truthfully when she says that, uh, that, the, that the principles behind uh, this zero waste initiative are something that uh, you know a lot about in terms of how things have been done at the Eco-Justice Center for a long, long time. Right. We at the Eco-Justice Center, since we started in 2004, tried to be a model of environmental sustainability, not only with using reusable energy, we have solar and wind, and geothermal, but we, we talked about our eight R's, reduce, reuse, recycle. It's always been a part of our education program. And so after I stepped aside as the executive director, I had way more time to be involved in local environmental committees. So I became a part of Greening Greater Racine along with David Rhodes and a, a group of other uh, and concerned citizens working for uh, making uh, Racine area uh, a more environmentally friendly place. And then right along the, almost the same time that Greening Greater Racine got started, so did the visioning a greater Racine, and there are 11 subcommittees of that, and one of those is being a model of environmental sustainability. So that was the team I joined. And one of the initiatives on that team is this zero waste initiative. So that's how I got involved in um, the committee that Michael and David now had. Because, you know, when we started the Eco-Justice Center, one of the sort of like backdrops for our programming and ideas behind of what we stand for is the Earth Charter. If you know that at all, it was developed by the United Nations over 20 years ago with input from all countries of the world, and it took probably three to four years to develop that. And it's a set of principles, the way we live on this Earth, so that we'll treat it justly and treat the people on the Earth in an equitable way. And so as we've been working on preparing for this program, I looked back at the um, Earth Charter and I thought, yeah, there's a whole set of principles dealing with environmental sustainability and the common good. So this we uh, Zero Waste Initiative fits into that. And we really need to think, as Nan alluded to, seven generations from now. The resources that I am using, what impact is that going to have 140 years from now. Mm. 
Will the great-great-grandchildren of the folks today who are consuming the resources have anything to use? Um, we know fossil fuels are running out, what are, uh, and other minerals and elements, and we are eating up our planet Earth. And so this zero waste addresses many of those issues. Wow. It's probably important for us to uh, acknowledge and, and explain that this zero waste initiative, which uh, is underway uh, in Racine, is 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 not new, and this is not something that was uh, cooked up from a blank slate. But in fact, this concept of zero waste uh, has been uh, popping up in all kinds of communities across the country. That's correct. Tell us a little more about that. Sure. There's a number of communities across the U.S. I believe it, it numbers over a hundred. Uh, cities like Austin, New York City, San Francisco, uh, even Evanston, uh, just closer to home here. Cities that recognize we, we can't just continue to operate as usual and, and, and generate so much waste and just take it to the curb and assume that it disappears, as, as Nan said. You have to manage that. It has to go somewhere. And so many of these communities have adopted integrated solid waste management plans to move towards zero waste which essentially is about 80% of some baseline. And so for the city of Racine, that's about 6,000 pounds a year, a drop from 25,000 uh, tons a year that they generate. Wow. So that would be the goal of this zero, uh, zero waste initiative. For to, the city of Racine, that's to, correct. To try to achieve that, that decrease. Mike, we were talking before the air, before we went on the air about uh, in a sense, the urgency of this matter as it relates to Racine. And uh, surely a lot of people listening from Racine have seen some of the news headlines. For anybody who hasn't, or for people listening from other places who might not be aware of it, explain the urgency of this in terms of Racine's own landfill. Sure. The Kestrel Hawk landfill, uh, located right near Regency off Green Bay Road, you can't miss it when you drive by. They're actually on their last cell. And according to reports submitted to the Wisconsin DNR in 2018, they are at two years left of capacity. First of all, explain what you mean by their last cell. So there are a number of cells or operating cells within a landfill, and they typically take the garbage to one cell during a given time period. And then once that fills up, they need to close that cell and move on to the next cell. And when they close that, they actually cap it so that you can capture the uh, emissions that come out of the landfill, such things as methane, and then they can generate electricity with that as well. But other emissions, odors, uh, you have to close it to keep the trash from blowing away, uh, which is a challenge for landfill operators as well. So the Racine landfill has filled all of its cells except for the last one, which is what they are rapidly filling right now. For what they are permitted currently, that's correct. Right. So, in other words, for a landfill, there are regulations about how high you can go. Do you know what that regulation is? Yeah, I wish, my, I wish my colleague Casey Furlong was here. He's a former landfill operator. Um, he helps me on these issues, but that's correct. You, you have so much airspace available, and once that airspace is filled, you have to move on. Now, over time, that airspace uh, is recaptured because as the material degrades and settles, you get some of that space back. So it's dependent upon that degradation as well as the fill rate. Ah, and of course, part of the issue is more and more of what we put in landfills 
does not degrade or degrades very, very little. So we're not gaining back what we maybe would if, if there were more banana peels in that landfill or whatever. That's right. I love the banana peel analogy because <laughs> most people would never consider putting a, a banana peel down their disposer. But you certainly can, and I do it every day. Right. Yeah, we'll get to uh, the disposal uh, beauty in just a moment. <laughs> so so the Racine landfill is down to its last cell. Can you tell us more about what that means, uh, in, and in particular what that means in terms of timeline? Right. So for the city of Racine, I believe they have a requirement within the public works that once they reach less than three years, they have to begin the process of siting and permitting and designing and building another landfill. And so you've probably heard of the argument NIMBY, not in my backyard. Nobody <laughs> wants a landfill in their backyard. So it's a big challenge. Where are you going to site this? Where, where are you going to build it? And, and that becomes a, a kind of a political football, a you know, logistical nightmare. And uh, there are other lo- landfills in the area, a number of them, and many of them are in the same status as the Kestrel Hawk landfill, where they're nearing capacity and with, you know, two to five years left of capacity. Uh, the Pheasant Run landfill out west has plenty of capacity, but that's going to mean trucking material much further. So mm-hmm. that, that's another challenge. And then, of course, you have to deal with <clears throat> what do you do with closed landfills that can no longer accept anything? What what mm. are you going to do with them all? You know, we can't. They can't all be ski hills, and they can't all be, you know. <laughs> they do have to be managed for many years mm-hmm. to come after they're closed. Wow. So, uh, explain what is going to go before uh, the Racine Common Council. Uh, I think you said within the next week or two. Yeah, next Tuesday night at seven p.m. at City Hall. Uh, the resolution is very broad, but it covers a number of challenges and it really brings the issue to the forefront of the the local government they need to take initiatives to initiate policies and implement them to actually achieve some of these things the greater racine zero waste initiative is a grassroots community-led organization but it's going to be up to the governments to institute policies and procedures to actually make this happen Uh, For example, many communities, thousands across the U.S., have pay-as-you-throw, where you're incentivized to produce less garbage. Hmm. And communities like Racine, you you get a 96-gallon garbage container to fill. And the idea with pay-as-you-throw is that you incentivize people to produce less by charging them less for a smaller container. Hmm. And currently, you can request a smaller container, but you don't get charged any less. Ah. So that would be one idea that maybe the local government can consider moving forward. Right. And so the resolution on Tuesday spells out none of that. That's correct. It is, is, uh, it is as much as anything, a, an official commitment that the, that the city of Racine's government would make Uh, to this initiative and to this concept. It also includes a mutual commitment with the other local jurisdictions like Mount Pleasant, Sturdivant, and Caledonia to start working together on an integrated solid waste plan so that everybody can coordinate their efforts and actually achieve this zero waste. Very good. For those of you just joining us, we are talking about the zero growth, uh, zero waste initiative, uh, which uh, is currently uh, about to go before 
the Racine City Council next Tuesday, but we're talking more broadly about the, the very concept of zero waste and uh, what it means to uh, try to work towards uh, such a laudable goal. Uh, Michael Kellerman is with Insincorator, and Sister Janet Weicker is the retired executive director of uh, the Ecojustice Center. Uh, let's spell out, first of all, some specifics in terms of the kind of things that are going wrong right now, uh, maybe the poor choices that people are making uh, in terms of what is going into our landfills. Uh, what are sort of the chief culprits? Uh, some of one of the biggest problems is our habit of consumption and throwing things away without thinking what's going to happen to this. I buy stuff and how long do I use it and then what do I do with it when I'm finished using it? Just thinking about, we think about a, a linear system. We take things out of the environment, we turn it into something, we sell it, we use it a little while and then we try to dispose of it as if there is an unlimited supply of resources and instead we need to get a cyclical idea like nature does. Nature takes things from the soil, it grows trees and plants, it sheds that, it goes back into the soil and decomposes, and there's a cycle. Humans, however, have changed that by creating things that are not naturally decompostable. So we need to change our manufacturing, consumption, uh, use of stuff. So re, re, we re, ne really need to rethink. That's one of our R's also at the Ecojustice. Rethink the way we've been doing things. Example, we go to, out to a restaurant and you don't eat everything that's served and you don't really want to waste it, so you ask for a doggy bag. In most cases, it comes as a styrofoam container. Very bad. Styrofoam doesn't decompose, lasts for ages. A better way of doing it is bring your own container from home, take your own food home, and reuse that. Or order less, or share a meal. Another example is single-use plastic bags. Uh, grocery stores routinely use them. They not only use a plastic bag, they double bag things for you, and you have this huge collection. Things seem to be a little bit better. We used to see them hanging around in trees a lot more than mm. we do now and on roadsides. And people are beginning to use um, their own reusable cloth shopping bags. So that's another example of what we can do to change this waste society. Um, through the Zero Waste Initiative, we're also working with schools. There are 12 schools that are going to participate in a pilot program called Green Cafeterias. Those who work in the cafeterias now say, wow, look at all the food children waste. They take a bite out of an apple and throw it out. Or they drink a half a carton of milk and throw it away. So. Uh, along with the, the leader of the Racine School District, uh, Shannon. Shannon Gordon. That's Gordon correct. and a group of teachers and members of this zero waste group. They went in and did a baseline study this spring and measured how, much, how many gallons of milk are thrown away, how many pounds of food are thrown away, and how many um, paper products. And they weighed that so they've got a baseline created. And then this fall, they're starting this intense environmental education zero, uh, reducing waste program in the school and we'll see through children education to see if we can reduce that waste. Wow. 
Wow, what a great um, idea. Another um, initiative, as Michael mentioned, that um, 20 to 30% of the solid waste in landfill is food waste. If we could compost that waste, if we don't have a garbage disposal in our house, what about food composting? So the a village of Sturtevant has started a composting program with the help of a, I believe you had this lady on the show, the compost crusader, yes. turning food waste into good fertile soil. So those are some things that we can do to help solve this landfill issue. <clears throat> I just want to say that <clears throat> we're all consumers, and as consumers, we have the power to change this really quickly. Uh, you know, for example, when you go to the grocery store, um, when the bagger or the checker says, is plastic okay? Say, no, it isn't okay. <laughs> I mean, paper is a better choice because you can do a lot with it. But bringing our own bags, asking the retailers to provide bags. When you go to the produce section, they have rolls and rolls and rolls of those thin plastic bags for your produce. Mm. I have to give a shout out to Gooseberries Market in my neck of the woods. Burlington. In, right. Yes, in Burlington. They now have available available for purchase really well-made mesh produce bags in various sizes. Ah. Um, and so that you don't have to use those plastic bags. Those mesh bags could probably last you for a very, very long time. So again, as consumers, we have the power to change this situation really quickly, but we have to change our mindsets. You know, when it, I cringe, I cringe when I see people buying huge um, co collections of bottled water. It's all plastic. It's mm. wrapped in plastic. <clears throat> Those are supposed to be for emergencies or if something has happened to your water. It's not supposed to be for daily use. And if you live in Racine, we have some of the cleanest drinking water in the nation. Right. No one needs to be buying bottled water. There are a lot of different things that you can do. Um, I, and I, the other thing I wanted to, to mention, Janet alluded to it a few minutes ago, is that the eight R's. Um, reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink. You know, do I need that? And how long is it going to last? And maybe I should wait until I can buy something that's of higher quality and it'll last a lot longer. People don't repair things anymore. You can keep things out mm -hmm. of landfills by repairing them. There's nothing wrong with fixing something, mm -hmm. whether it's your clothes or a lawnmower or, you know, whatever it may be. Repurposing things, you know, does this have another use? Could I, could I do something with this rather than sending off to the, to the landfill? Um, and then just having a respect and a reverence for this thing that you've purchased. Think about what's gone into manufacturing it and how far did it come and, you know, what trace minerals are in it. And, you know, perhaps if we change our mindset about these objects that we've treated as if they don't matter anymore, maybe if we change our mindset, fewer and fewer things will go into the landfills. Mm. And did you include refuse? On refuse, your list? yes, refuse, <laughs> refuse. <laughs> that straw or whatever it, it might be. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, the, the, you know, the, the straw is a nice thing. And that's always a teaching opportunity yeah. at a restaurant. I remember last time we went out, the waitress brought five straws. And we said, no, thank you. We don't want, want the straws. Luckily, they were in a wrapper, so she was mm. able to take them back. So refuse things we don't want, mm -hmm. unwanted mail, unwanted catalogs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very good. So I'm glad you spelled out uh, all of the wisdom that's collectively there. And so, Michael, I think this, this again, this 
proposal that goes before Racine's Common Council does not go to any of these specifics, but it is a framework within which uh, a lot of these kind of of, of initi- specific initiatives could be implemented, perhaps. Yeah, that's right. Within the addendum, we actually list reducing the use of single-use plastic bags and containers in local grocery stores, um, reduce or eliminate the use of expanded polystyrene or, or styrofoam, as, as Sister Janet mentioned, uh, reduce food waste and increase recycling in the school cafeterias, uh, develop a community-wide campaign to encourage the use of municipal recycling, things like uh, education and outreach programs to initiate those. Uh, one of the things that's being looked at is a recycling co-op as well, hmm. where you can get economies of scale uh, by including so many other participants and maybe by reduced fees we can get better participation rates and better recycling as well. And as Sister Janet had alluded to, encouraging the use uh, or, or composting of our food waste or the use of a garbage disposal. So many of these things are actually listed, but how it's actually accomplished is is really left up to the local government. I wanted to be sure to give you a chance to give your incinerator uh, sermonette uh, about, uh, I mean, <laughs> whoever makes the garbage disposal, but of course you work at incinerator in Racine. Uh, but it, it sounds like there is a really serious issue out there in terms of people not understanding what can go down uh, that disposal. And in almost every case, it's not that people are putting things down there that they shouldn't. It's that they are failing to put things into their disposal that they really can. I mean, that, both can happen, but sure. I think you're really concerned about the latter. That's right. Most people really probably only use their disposer for plate scrapings. We've done some research in Boston, Chicago, Tacoma, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, uh, and we, we quantified how much they use their disposer if they had never had one before. And it's about 30% reduction of the food waste that they typically generate in the trash. But we know there's a reluctance from people to use it as much as they could because they, they or themselves or somebody in the family or a neighbor has at some time or another caused a problem in their, in their plumbing. So what we want to do is to educate people on the proper use. It really starts with turning the water on first, turning the disposer on second, and then adding your food waste gradually. And after it's done grinding, just let the water run a few seconds. You'll virtually eliminate all your problems. In my opinion, what happens is people will fill up the chamber with a lot of material, and then they turn it on, and then they turn the water on. Mm. And that's the exact opposite of how you should run a disposer. Right. So, so really, proper education is key. We're, we've, we've generated some materials and a video to help people understand how to better use their disposer. And helping people to understand that when you, since food waste is 70 to 90% water, when you send it to the wastewater treatment plant, you're reclaiming that water. Secondly, you have the opportunity advanced, at advanced treatment plants like Kenosha and Racine and Milwaukee to actually produce energy through the process of anaerobic digestion. They generate methane. That methane is burned in engines, and that helps them to generate electricity that would otherwise have to be purchased from burning fossil fuels. And then finally, just like compost, treatment plants generate what is called biosolids, and it's land applied on farm fields all around uh, the area on our soybeans and our corn. And so it's a supplement to fertilizers where you get your nitrogen and your phosphorus. Hmm. Something that people, it's, it's counterintuitive and they don't always think about it. Right. So what can go down the disposal? And what do people generally 
fail to put down the disposal that they can. Yeah, earlier I mentioned the banana peel. I, I put a banana peel, my orange peel, down in, in the uh, in the disposer right in our lobby at Insincorator every day. Uh, people really kind of look at me odd and think, well, I would never put a banana peel down there, but they are certainly capable of doing that. Newer advanced models of disposers can even grind chicken bones. So those are some of the materials that when you put them in the trash, they can develop odors and attract animals and things like that. Composting is great for a number of items, especially your fruits and veggies, your peelings and things like that. But when it gets to meats and dairies, things that are proteins, they tend to generate odors and attract animals. Those are materials that can certainly be processed in your disposer very easily. So we like to think that disposers complement composting. And so maybe you compost and you use your disposer uh, is, is one option. And, and in, we know most people call it a garbage disposal. But we would rather it be looked at as a food scrap recycler. <laughs> ah, there you go. That's got a ring to it as well. Um, one matter that we have touched on that we probably need to uh, follow up on a little bit is that uh, there is a whole sector of the economy that is contributing to this in a really big way, and that is the manufacturers who are creating things. It would seem without very much regard, certainly insufficient regard, for what's going to happen to all these plastic things that they're creating or whatever it might be. Uh, not that this is tied up so much in the resolution before the Racine City Council, but uh, are there any significant initiatives underway to try to uh, make manufacturers themselves, first of all, more sensitive to this in the first place, and uh, maybe more legally responsible for what they create. There are some companies that are very conscious of that. Um, the Yes Magazine has highlighted a few of them where they do the cradle to grave. If they produce carpeting, they take that carpeting back and recycle it and um, re, you know, grow new, produce new products. In Racine, um, there are several companies that are trying to be green in the recycle bit, and I'm not sure if, you know, th they actually take their product back and, and, like, they use plastic products in selling their, plastic items in selling their product. I don't know if they reuse those plastics or make sure that they get back, but um, I'm... I'm not sure if our committee can even work with the manufacturers other than encourage them and or support companies that do um, try to do recycling of their own uh, products. Yeah, I would mention two things. Uh, David Rhodes, who's our co-facilitator of the Greater Racine Zero Waste Initiative, also spearheads a group called the Racine Sustainable Business Network that really focuses on some of these same issues. So many of the local industries are involved in trying to address some of these issues, and some are much better than others, I guess I would mm -hmm. say. Uh, the other thing I would point out is that municipal waste collected by the city governments is focused on the residential sector. They don't mm -hmm. deal with the industrial and commercial. That's private, and so they are mm -hmm. responsible for hiring their own hauler for that material. So it's actually, to your point, more of an individual effort by the industries to have to make those decisions. I think most of them want to be good uh, local stewards and, and business stewards, so I think that uh, they're, they're doing things on their own in many cases. Right. I remember uh, 
I have a brother-in-law who used to work at what used to be Rude Lighting. Uh, that mm -hmm. is, is under new ownership now. But I remember touring the facility with Mark. This is a number of years ago. And I, 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 re I can still remember the, the pride in his voice as he would point out all these different ways in which uh, the, the plant at, of Rude Lighting, all of the ways in which they were trying to be sustainable mm -hmm. and I rem the only specific one I can really remember is that some kind of unit there that would paint their fixtures that, that it was set up it almost looked like a shower stall and that all of the paint that did not end up on the fixture being painted all of that excess paint would be gathered in this special drain and captured and and used again as opposed to being just oh. wasted and in a sense thrown away. Cree, and, Cree Lighting is certainly one of our local leaders in in that that realm, and they were one of our featured speakers at the recent Racine Sustainable Business. Oh, I'm Networks. so glad to hear that. So yeah, that that's what mm -hmm. used to be Rude Lighting, and now it's I think yeah. Cree Purchase Rude. But uh, that that was the kind of thing that impressed me on a lot of levels, and one of them is if un unless you take a tour. Uh, that's not something that, that the general public is likely to even know. Mm -hmm. And and so that is, in a sense, a, a very private decision that a privately owned manufacturer has made mm -hmm. just because it's the right thing to do. Right. And uh, and one hopes that more and more manufacturers will will follow that lead and make similar kinds of, of decisions. Yeah. Another business that's doing something like that is the UNFI, United Natural Foods, Inc., they have stream recycling, and so if they get food products in on wood pallets, wood goes in one place, cardboard goes in another, glass, metal, so that those materials then can be recycled and reused. Very good. And much of the excess food uh, that, that can't be sold is actually distributed. Uh, it's been estimated that as much as 40% of the food that we generate in the U.S. goes to waste. Mm. Mm -hmm. And there's a number of people that are food insecure, so this food can be redistributed to people that, that need it. Wow. And that's one thing Unify does. Mm -hmm. And the same company also uses the Compost Crusader. If they have the um, vegetable scraps, they have a lot of them, and they'll come and get a whole truckload and turn that into compost. Wow. Michael, you, I think, mentioned in passing earlier in the program the fact that there are some issues related to recycling, that even though, for instance, when you live in Racine or we live in Mount Pleasant and there is that bin into which, you know, you can, you can put things, but that it's starting to become an issue in terms of where all of that can be taken and uh, if all of that can be kind of assimilated into the system, uh, we, we cannot make blithe assumptions about... Uh, the, the beauty of recycling in the sense of there's a place where all of that recycled material can go. Yeah, even though we've come a long ways over the last 20 or 30 years in recycling and many communities have instituted the blue bin or the blue stream, single stream recycling, uh, unfortunately we have handed this off to places like China for a long time. And what has been called the green sword came down where they are not allowing many of these recyclables to come into China because of contamination rates. And so they lowered the level of acceptable contamination. That has eliminated a market for those recyclables. And so in many cases it comes back here or stays here. In some cases it's opened up opportunities for recycling industries to, to come up with new processes for converting those 
recyclables to reusable products. But it is a, a big challenge right now. And as you've, you've heard about uh, plastics in the ocean, you know, the size of the state of Texas or whatever mm-hmm. in, in, in the Pacific. These are things that uh, it's the reason why reducing or refusing at the, be, at the onset is so important. Because recycling is great if we do it right. But if we don't have it to begin with, we don't have to deal with it. Right. And right now there is a big challenge doing something with it. And I, and I really truly believe over the next five to ten years we're going to see some big changes in the recycling industry. Right. It reminds me of, of one of the biggest issues, uh, which is uh, so much of what we consume now are in these single-use plastic containers. And I am an offender, uh, although I, I try to be diligent in my recycling of that. But but it's it's... It's a bad choice right off the bat, and one wishes that someday you could go into a quick trip instead of buying a bottle of such and such that there's some sort of dispenser. And, exactly. and, and, um, but we're a long way from that happening, I'm afraid. So many items come in plastic clamshells, mm-hmm. and, and, and those clamshells, you know, we hope that they get recycled. But if we didn't purchase items in clamshells to begin with, we wouldn't have those to have to recycle. Mm-hmm. And industry and the distributors and producers would have to change the way mm-hmm. that they distribute their products. So as Nan alluded to, it's changing in behaviors, and the consumer is a powerful lobby. And if they change their behavior, it will change the way that we, we do things. It's tough mm-hmm. being a conscious consumer because you search out things that are packaged in glass, which is getting harder and harder to find. Uh, you search out things that are not overpackaged or at least packaged in cardboard or some sort of recyclable or reusable paper. It, it's a tough thing to do. We, you know, we're just awash in an ocean of plastic everywhere mm-hmm. we go. Mm-hmm. But if we demand better, we will get better. Mm-hmm. Let's let's circle back to the uh, proposal that is before the Racine uh, City Council. Who drew this up, and and at whose initiative is this initiative being uh, put together and presented? I'm the guilty party. Uh, <laughs> ah. uh, Nan called me a mover and shaker, and and we had a number of meetings where we were literally going over a list of item by item of things that we're trying to do. And I made it clear. I said, we have to stop talking about things that we can do. We have to take initiative and actually get things done. And one of these ways was to get a binding resolution where the communities would start facilitating some of these things. Hmm. To have them uh, gain ownership in, and have responsibility for accomplishing some of the things. So I literally uh, looked at a number of resolutions across the country and with the help of Sister Janet, we, we, we melded it into one that was specific for Racine that talks about the Kestrel Hawk landfill. And uh, we think that it's, it, it covers the, all the bases. I, th- I think it's a good one. And hopefully the other local jurisdictions will adopt a similar resolution. So we hope the city council is going to adopt that resolution next Tuesday. And we know that we're going to have a good number of uh, local citizens who support this that are going to come to the city council meeting and speak on its its behalf. Have you spoken to any members of the city councils uh, ahead of it uh, coming to a vote? Do you have any general Mm -hmm. sense of whether or not this is going to be? We have two sponsors, Alderman uh, Jason Meekma and uh, Mary Land. 
they are both supportive of the initiative. And it was heard at the Public Works and Services Committee uh, meeting Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. And it passed through them. And getting through that first stage is really instrumental in moving forward to the full Common Council. So we think we have enough support that, that it, it will pass. Mm -hmm. uh, Nan mentioned that this is a binding resolution. So what element of this is binding? I mean, what, what in a sense, must happen? What is stipulated that must occur? Well, things like convening representatives of the city, county, and participating municipalities through the Resilient Communities Project to develop a cooperative solid waste reduction and comprehensive management plan. That's one specific item that's hmm. basically saying, we're going to work together with everybody to try and come up with solutions. Um, develop new policies and regulations. I mentioned pay-as-you-throw. Hmm. I would like to see the city move forward with a pay-as-you-throw policy. People don't realize it, probably, but your garbage bill is within your property tax. You don't actually get a bill like you do for your sewer and water. Hmm. And so they don't actually see how much they're paying and may not be aware of it. It's hmm. out of sight, out of mind. And as long as that garbage disappears at the curb, they forget about it. But if we move forward with the pay-as-you-throw, people will have an opportunity to see exactly how much they have to pay and that they have an opportunity, because they're incentivized, to pay less for producing less. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And it's good that some of the city officials and employees are members of our Zero Waste Committee. So they can get encouragement from the committee and then take it back to their government work and implement it. Wow. So they're kind of on the inside mm -hmm. and really mm -hmm. aware of that. Uh, could you point to one or two cities in terms of their policies that were especially helpful to you in drawing this up for Racine? Uh, does this fall in fairly close parallel to any particular cities? Uh, I would initiative? say Boulder, Colorado, Austin. Um, boy. I'm going to say I looked at Seattle. Uh, does Evanston have one? Evanston does have a program, but I really looked at resolutions from three or four cities and then tried to, to come up with one that was comprehensive. Mm -hmm. Well, it seems like that's exactly what this is, and I, I like how it it is just specific enough to really get things moving without trying to stipulate every single specific because... That would probably be a mistake in a resolution like this. I, I think, think that's why we call ourselves the Greater Racine Zero Waste Initiative. Uh, it fits. We're just trying to get the ball rolling, and then it's going to be up to local leaders to actually make it happen. Very good. You like what you're hearing, Nan? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will be really uh, anxious to see how this occurs. Uh, remind our listeners about when this comes before the council and if people who are interested or concerned about this if, if they can and should uh, try to be part of this. All right. It's going to be coming to the council next Tuesday, July 16th at 7 a.m. And if you'd like to be... Pardon? 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Yeah, a.m. Yeah, yeah. would be a little early. <laughs> 7 p.m. And if you would like to speak on behalf and support this resolution, we ask you to come a little bit early and sign up to uh, speak to the issue. So we hope that there will be a lot of us and encourage the council to say, yeah, let's use this as a framework to get to zero waste in Racine. Very good. Very good. And uh, we will be anxious to see what occurs, and uh, we'll certainly want to follow this issue from, from that point on. It's uh, of, of 
paramount importance, of course. And we appreciate both of you uh, coming here to the morning show to uh, to talk about it so eloquently. Sister Janet Weicker from the Eco Justice Center and uh, Michael Kellerman from Insincorator. I really appreciate both of you being here for this important conversation. Thank, Thank you. you. Glad it's to, good be, to here. be here. Nan, uh, do you have a calendar of events for us today? Yes, of course. You know, there's about a thousand things going on during the summer, uh, but I can only highlight a few. So we're going to start with Riverbend Nature Center. On July 16th at 7.30, you can go there and enjoy something called a full moon paddle. You'll wind down and experience nature as it emerges after sunset on a quiet river. This is a peaceful, no-destination paddle. In other words, no pressure. When you return to Riverbend, you can enjoy music under the full moon's light, a s'mores bar, and a campfire, and you're welcome to bring your own beverages. All necessary paddling equipment will provided will be provided, or you can bring your own. So that's July 16th at 7.30. Racine Dominican Eco-Justice Center will not be outdone with yoga. And goats, they're going to have yoga with alpacas Saturday, August 3rd from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Class fee is $20. Uh, And, you know, goat yoga is a popular thing. I think you'll like alpaca yoga even more. Yes. And finally, Hawthorne Hollow, the Pike River Concert Series continues on July 19th from 6 to 9 p.m. The musical guest will be Trombone Dave and the Lawn Clippings. There will be fine food, wine, beer, and other libations for purchase. Admission is $10. All proceeds go to support Hawthorne Hollow. How's that? Short and sweet. (laughs) Thank you. Nan Calvert, and thank you, uh, Nan, for helping make... Uh, today's morning show conversation possible. This was really, really interesting. Purely my pleasure. We will see you in August. Nan Calvert uh, uh, joining us on the morning show here on WGTD.